We're speaking this morning on, uh, we're continuing our series on Shine, and uh, talking about uh, the first Sunday that Ike uh, uh, shared about this, uh, this theme and this theme of Shine, he talked about the light and how important light is, and, and that God is that light, uh, the first light that, that shone into this world and, uh, years and years ago when, when God created everything, and he said, let there be light, and there was light, and and uh, then last Sunday, Pete talked about the, the light uh, that we are to shine, uh, to, to share that light and to be, to be a light to the world so that people can see and can have hope. And so this morning, I want to talk about the light of hope. And, uh, and I understand that all of us, I think we know the importance of hope and, and how powerful hope is and and so I want to just kind of maybe remind us some, of some things, and maybe there'll be some new things that you will see and that you will understand. I want to begin with an event that happened almost 50 years ago, and most of us probably, I mean, some of you weren't around at that time, but some of you were, and, but some of you have heard of that. It's uh, Martin Luther uh, King Jr. He, uh, I'm not sure when he came on the scene, but he was a, he was a black person, and he was a a, an advocate and a, and a fighter for the black people, for his own race and for his own people. And we know that uh, over 50 years ago and, and before that, uh, the black people were going through a very tough time. And it was, uh, I mean, it was, we can't even imagine what was happening in those times. I mean, uh, uh, black people couldn't sit together and buses couldn't go to school together and had to have their own, uh, had to be separated. But Martin Luther uh, Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. came on the scene, and he gave the black people hope. He lit the candle of hope. And I think because of that, we see the result today, and we see the power of hope. And, and let me just quote to you that, uh, that famous speech he had, which was called, I Have a Dream. I think at Lincoln Memorial in the, in the States, there was 250,000 people present, and heard this speech, and he said this, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys, little black girls, will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley will be exalted. Every hill and mountain will be made low. The rough places will be made plains. The crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh will see it together. This is my hope. And with this hope, I go back to the south. With this dream and with this vision, Martin Luther King Jr., he lit the light of hope 
in the lives of these people. We can look at other people, Terry Fox. Terry Fox, a number of years ago, he began the Marathon of Hope, wanting to, run, wanting to raise money for cancer because he had cancer. His lang- leg was amputated. He had an artificial leg, and he started running across Canada from one coast to the other coast. He made it about halfway, and his cancer came back in his lungs, and he passed away. But that dream and that hope that he started has raised millions and millions of dollars today. And we have the Terry Fox run. It has motivated people. It has lit the candle of hope in the lives of people that one day cancer will be eradicated and there will be a cure for cancer. You see, Martin Luther King, Terry Fox, had a vision, had a dream, had hope that things could be different, regardless how bad they were, regardless how dark it looked. But lighting that candle of hope brought meaning to life. It gave people ambition. It gave people motivation. And this morning we want to talk about that. So no matter what adversity you and I are going through, no matter what we face, if we have hope, we can know that sunshine will come. Just as certain as we can when we go to sleep at night and and it's a dark night that we can go to bed and, and be hopeful in the morning, the sun will rise again. We can be certain. You see, Hebrews 11, 1 says this, and, and this is from the message. It says, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, or this hope in God, or this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. To have this hope makes life worth living. To not have this hope, life is not worth living. It is our handle, he goes on to say, on what we can't see. These are the handles that we hold on to when it's dark and dreary and when, when there is no hope. When it looks like it's hopeless, and we hold on to the, to the light of hope. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to share with you just a kind of a, a picture of what it looks like when the light of hope is lit and alive. But we have to begin with when there's no hope. And in that passage, it doesn't begin in chapter 9, but it begins in chapter 8. And, and we could, it probably begins earlier than chapter 8, probably 7, where this darkness begins. In the lives, in the life of these people. And these are the people of Israel that we are talking about here. And so we need to go back. And so if I want to unpack it this morning a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about the futility of no hope. Maybe then the feelings of hope or the result of hope. And then, then uh, close with the foundation of hope or the premise on which, we, on which our hope is built. So to understand the impact of hope, in Isaiah chapter 9, I want to go back to chapter 8, just a couple verses. And let me just give you the background of this a little bit. The, uh, there's two northern tribes here, and I'm not sure all the history and everything, how they've gotten here. But anyways, there's two northern tribes, uh, and they're called uh, Zebulon and Naphtalia. They have been uh, living in, in this area, and... Uh, they have withdrawn from God or they have forsaken God or whatever it is. And now 
God has sent the king of Assyria and his army, and they have taken captive these two tribes, God's people, the people of Israel. And, and not only these two tribes, but a bunch of other people around that area. And they have taken them captive, and they have taken them down to Assyria and put them in their own land, in a, in a very strange and a very unfamiliar place. And we can imagine a little bit what it feels like to be uprooted and to put it put in a place and then to be in captivity. And I'm not sure what all happened there, but it was a very dark, dark, dark place. They were, they were oppressed and they were, there was no hope. They were in a hopeless situation. And again, reading from the message, it says this in Isaiah chapter 8 from verse 19. And, and people were telling them, in, in your hopeless situation, do this or do that. When people tell you, try out fortune tellers, consult a spiritualist, why not tap into the spirit world? Get in touch with the dead. Maybe there's hope here. Tell them, no, we're going to study the scriptures. People who try the other ways to get hope get nowhere. It's a dead-end street. Frustrated and famished, they try one thing after another. When nothing works out, they get angry, cursing first this God and then that God, looking this way and that, up and down, sideways, and seeing nothing, a blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. Just a vivid, vivid description of what these people were facing. They were at a dead-end street. They were looking at an empty hole. There was no light in, at the end of the tunnel. The, the sun wasn't shining. There was even nothing. The night was, it was over. That's what they thought. There was hopelessness. They could see no way out. I'm not sure where you are here this morning. I know at Christmas time, for many people it is a very dark time. And maybe you are in a situation where it seems like it's hopeless. That it's futile. Maybe it's in a, you're in a marriage. Maybe it's, you're, you, you don't have a job. Maybe it's an illness in your family and your own personal life. It is terminal and it seems like you can't bear it anymore. It's, it's a hopeless situation. You see, to be in that setting, and I'm not sure where you're at, and I, but I want you to, I want to speak into your hearts this morning. I want to allow God to touch you and to give you hope. Whatever it is, and, and I could, there's other things I could list, but you know your situation if it's hopeless and if it's futile. And I don't know if I've ever been, I, mean, I, just, I look back at my own life before I knew, knew Christ and before I had accepted him, I've I seen that hopeless situation. I always put my hope in other things and wished it would be better and get a better job and all those things. But deep down I knew I was in a hopeless situation. But I have seen people. Three years ago, I think it was, I was in Africa and I visited a couple countries and traveling in those villages and those communities and those cities, you look in people's eyes and you've seen hopelessness. You've seen emptiness. You've seen there was nothing more. 
I came back from Bolivia a couple weeks ago. And the same situation among our own Mennonite people. And even among the Bolivianos. There are many, many, many hopeless situations. We talked about the event that happened in the States just this last week in Connecticut. A hopeless, hopeless situation for these people. For many of these people, this is the end. They can't see nothing more. There is no sunshine. But I want to share with you, there is hope. Rabbi Zachariah says this, Hope is that indispensable element that makes the present so important. Significantly, the absence of future hope has an amazing capacity to reach into the present and eat away at the structure of life as termites with a great foundation. A lack of hope takes away from the present. You cannot survive and live if there is no hope. But you see in our story, it doesn't end here. You see, Isaiah 8 is not the end. This is not the end of the story. As Paul Harvey would say, now here is the rest of the story. And that we find in Isaiah chapter 9. And it goes like this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. For those who were in distress, and talking about these two tribes and other people, but in the, uh, in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nep- Naphtali. But in the future he will, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What is he speaking of here? He's speaking of here of a promise. Isaiah is prophesying here that there's a better time coming. Yes, presently it is tough. Presently it looks hopeless. But here's a promise. Here's the light of hope. In the future. And it was a long time. It's 700 years later. What Isaiah was prophesying, there would be a Messiah. Light would come and give them hope. And change their situation. You see... Hope has the capacity and the power to change the present if you know the future will be better. And very often, it is based on a promise. This prophecy took place 700 years later when Jesus came upon the scene and when he, <clears throat> when he, he was born in Nazareth. But when John the Baptist was beheaded, that's when he went to, to Galilee and began his ministry. And that's when... This prophecy was fulfilled. The light dawned and hope was fulfilled. You can read that in Matthew chapter 4. And I'm not going to read that here this morning. I talked about the futility of no hope in Bolivia and in Africa. And I, talk, and I just shared a little bit about what happened in Connecticut. But if you look in all these situations... There are people and there are situations where people are experiencing joy and excitement and meaning in life. Why? Because there's hope. You hear the stories in Africa, and let me share share with you a, a, a lady that we met there. We walked into the slums outside of the long way, 
uh, Malawi. Malawi, one of the ten poorest countries in the world. And just outside the city, there were the slums. And in these slums, there was 200,000 people. And as far as you could see, it was just box upon box. Sewer running in the streets. Kids running everywhere. Little shops. But you've seen hopelessness. But we walked to this one hut. And the care workers that were with us were walking through this. They said we shouldn't go in too far because of the danger. But we walked to this one hut. And here was this girl laying on the, on the floor, on the dirt, just on a mat. Her name was Chrissy. She was 38 years old. She had three or four daughters. But she had contracted AIDS from her husband. And she was dying. She could hardly speak. She just laid there like a bag of bones. I think she was... I don't know what it was, 55 pounds or something. She looked like a little child. And as the care workers talked to her and just told them who had come, some people from Canada had come just to to visit, and she began to sing. She sang of the hope, of a future hope. She sang of the light of Jesus. And, and, and what it, it just broke us all down to see this lady in this situation. But what gave her the meaning of life and, and in her present situation, it gave her hope of a better future. Yesterday, watching the news, one father shared, shared uh, with the, with the uh, reporters, his little girl, six years old, had been shot. And he shared from his heart how painful it was. But he said, we have hope. We have hope. And he talked about the light of hope. That was in his life. And he, and he, and he said, we want to help all the other parents whose children have been killed. We want to help the victim's family. We want to pray for them. And we want to, is there any way we can help? Why? Because he had hope. And if I were to tell you stories in Africa, or in Bolivia, it's the same thing. There are pockets where people, if you have hope, changes are happening. Life is happening. And things are, are taking place. What oxygen is to the lungs, this is what hope is to the soul. And Hebrew says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. So here we have kind of the light has dawned. Now what are the results of hope? What are kind of the, what, what happens when we have hope? And I've talked a little bit of some of those things. But in this passage of scripture in verses, chapter 3 to 4, 3 to 5, we have at least three characteristics that happen when a person has hope. And I want to just share briefly those things. And the first one is joy. You see, when, when we can grasp and hold on to hope, joy takes place. Here it says in verse 3, You have enlarged the nation and have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder when there's a victory that's been won. And you know very often that we think of farming and we think of the, the, uh, the effort that farmers put in and... and and the, uh, the hard work, and, and it's all about waiting. It's about hoping. But you know what they base their hope on? They do all this with the promise 
or with a hope that there will be a harvest. And they do it with joy. And they do it with anticipation. And you know what? When the harvest comes, there is joy and excitement. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. James says, count it all joy whenever you face all kinds of trials. How is this possible? When we put our trust in God. When we have the light of hope. Habakkuk 3 verse 17 and uh, verse 18. One of my favorite verses when it comes to this whole thing about joy. It says, though the fig tree does not bud. And there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Regardless of the situation. Why? Because I put my hope. In God. The second characteristic is freedom. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. When we put our hope in the light, when we have the light of hope, there is freedom. Thirdly, there is peace. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for fire. Ephesians 2.14 says, He Himself is our peace. What does hope do for mankind? It brings certain emotions. And it gives you joy, gives you peace, gives you freedom. John Maxwell, from his book on, the, on Think on These Things, he says this, Hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all the melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope endures hardships when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one, confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses toward victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. Hope brings the victory when no one is winning. You see, these are some great benefits and some great results when we have hope. In a lot of these verses that I quoted and talked about, you will notice that the foundation of hope is there. What is that foundation? It is the foundation of Jesus. The foundation of Christ. You see, and I've alluded to it, Jesus is the light of hope. Jesus is the foundation of all our hopes on the face of this earth. Yes, there are other things that motivate us and, and, and give us motivation to, to live this life, but ultimately undergirding all those hopes is the hope of Jesus Christ. You see, we sing that little, or we sing, I don't know if it's a little, but we sing that Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And the first stanza, it says, In thee, in Jesus, are met all the fears and hopes of the world. Jesus is the foundation of hope on which all other hopes and dreams are built upon. And I think you could talk, you could think of uh, Martin Luther Jr. King, that his hope was based on the hope of Jesus. 
There is no other foundation of hope, the Bible says, that we are to base our trust in. And that's what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 here. He said all this, the futility of hope, a light has dawned. Who is this light? It's Jesus. Verse 6 says, for. This is the reason. This is the foundation of our hope. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, this little baby, Jesus, that was born over 2,000 years ago, is the light of hope. It's not just a baby. He's not just a baby. He's not just a human. It says he's a wonderful counselor. You see, whatever you need counsel from, whatever you need help from, he's there. He's the mighty God. He's able to do all things. He's the everlasting father. He's your father. You are his child. And he's the prince of peace. He's not just any peace. He's the prince of peace. We lit this candle this morning representing hope. And you see, if I were to take this candle and snuff it out and take this candle and to walk around, it would do me no good. But you see, this candle, if it was lit and I would take it into a dark room, it would make a huge difference. You see, this little hope, this little baby that we celebrate at Christmas is the hope of the world. Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as Christians, as those who, are, who know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you in that hope this morning. The Bible says it is a blessed hope. It is a living hope. It is a sure hope. It is a lasting hope. And I think we need to remind ourselves again who our hope really is, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, you don't have hope. You've never received Jesus as the light of hope. I encourage you this Christmas to respond. There are, there are many opportunities in that, you, that as you celebrate Christmas, that you will hear about this great gift through the songs and through the preaching and through visiting and eating and whatever. So I, I encourage you to respond to it. Embrace hope, because you need it. I want to close with a story. And I'm not sure if this story is a, is a fiction, but I think it, it drives home this truth, that Jesus is the only hope. The story is told of a father who is a, a painter and, and, uh, and, and an artist, and he had a son that was in the military on the, uh, on the battleground. And his son was killed. And one of the guys that worked alongside of him and served alongside of him, one day he came to this father, and it was at Christmas, Christmas morning. He came to the father's door and he says, I worked with your son, I served with your son on the battlefield. And I, I too kind of am an artist and I drew a, I painted a picture of your son and I want you to have it. And the father opened it and, and yeah, he could see it was his son. It was, was not the most beautiful picture because the father was an artist and he knew kind of some of the things. 
But he took the picture and he said, thank you. It's a good thing to remind me of my son. A year later, this father died. He was an older man. And uh, he had a bunch of paintings and all those paintings were to come up for auction. Many people were in anticipation they were going to buy these paintings. But as this auction was to take place, and as many people came, the auctioneer was there, and, he, and the first painting that he, put, that he held up was the picture of the father's son. And everybody kind of jeered and said, what do you, what do you mean? What, that's, we don't want to buy that picture. We want all these other paintings and that, you've, that, the, that the father painted. And the auctioneer said, no, no, first we have to sell this painting. Once we sell this painting, then we'll go on. And the people weren't too happy about it. And he said, anybody want to bid? And then the one guy, he says, I, I knew the son, I'll give you $100 for it. And the auctioneer waited a little bit and he said, anybody else? Any higher bid? And he finally said, going once, going twice. And he hit the gavel and he says, Sold. And then everybody was excited and said, okay, now let's get on with it. We're here to buy some pictures. We're here to buy some works of art worth thousands of dollars or even millions. And the auctioneer said, it's over. The auction is done. And someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's done? We're here for all these other paintings. We demand that you explain what's going on. And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. He who takes, according to the will of the Father, he who takes the Son, takes all. You see, if we want all these other blessings, all the other things that come along in life and joy and happiness and peace, we got to embrace the light of hope, which is Jesus Christ. According to the will of the Father, our Heavenly Father, if you take Jesus, you get it all. I'll ask the band to come up, and with a closing song, they're going to sing, In Christ Alone. And this is what the first verse says. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. The cornerstone, the solid ground, firm through the fiercest storm, drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the light of hope, Jesus. And may we embrace it. May we trust in it. In Jesus' name, amen.